praise, of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. I'll tell your neighbor, everything is changed. I'll say it again. Say, everything is changed. Somebody needs to say it by faith. Uh, you know, this morning from your heart, everything is changed. All right, this time around, think about some things that are, that are yet to change, and yet still say it, everything is changed. Say it better, say everything is changed. Praise God. One more time, let's celebrate the one who changes everything. Our Lord and our maker, the Lord Jesus, the game changer himself. Come on, somebody, celebrate him this morning. Celebrate him this morning. Everything is changed because we have Jesus. Everything is changed because he's in charge. Glory to Jesus. Elevation priest of praise. God bless you. God bless you. That's, that, that, that was very inspiring. Everything is changed. 2014 for us is a year of radical transformation. So things don't have a choice but to change. Only one choice. Change for the better. As a change for the better. In the precious name of Jesus, there shall be many radical transformations in your life in this new year, in the precious name of Jesus. How was your week? Uh, I, I didn't hear you. How was your week? Okay, I'm, I'm hearing some good words. It's just, it's just getting there, small, small. How was your week? Okay, how's the new week looking like? I declare over you this morning that a new week is filled with favor for you. uh, That God is ordering your steps this week. In the precious name of Jesus. Favor of God meets with your steps this week in Jesus' name. You are at the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right things. This week is filled with profiting for you. Grace is made available. For the fulfillment of destiny. In Jesus precious name. Say believing amen. Amen. Praise God. Alright this morning join me in your Bibles in the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. I'll continue the teaching from last Sunday. uh, Which was titled the path to the burning bush. We've been discussing our purpose. And this morning I'd love to take it a little further. So dig deeper into the connection between purpose and passion. So titled is The Burning Bush Experience, Igniting Your Passion. Igniting Your Passion. In Exodus chapter 3, I'll read from verse 1 to 5, and then I'll jump to verse 10. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, and then we'll read verse 10. If you're not in the habit of bringing your Bible to church, whether... It's on your device or uh, whether it's on your device or you have a paper Bible, it's, um, it's not a good habit. I, I just want to encourage you. Uh, technology or, you know, the fact that we're becoming more modern should not take the Bible away from us. So whether you have it in paper or in electronic copy, the Bible should be close by because you may have to consult, uh, you know, from time to time. And that's why Bible should be close to you. I know we display, you know, uh, um, scripture, on, uh, you know, 
here in this church, but that should still not stop us from being close to our Bible. Say amen, somebody. Exodus chapter number 3, I'll read from verse 1. Now Moses was standing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, The bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Verse number three. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush thus not born? Verse four. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him. From the midst of the bush. And said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Verse 5, then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. I love to jump to verse number 10. So we hear the conclusion of the matter. um, About the instruction that God gave Moses. Verse number 10, God spoke to Moses and said, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. The Lord bless the reading of his word. So, Father, we thank you for breathing upon your word this morning. Charge this word with power. Let it minister grace to every hearer. Bring healing upon us in this service. Redirect someone. Show us light. Show us direction. Let this year truly engender in our lives radical transformations. Set someone on fire this morning. Let your name be glorified in Jesus' precious name. Say, believe in amen. Uh, This account of Moses and his encounter with God at the burning bush is something that should resonate with you from time to time. Uh, because it happened to be a dramatic experience of one person. And when God deals with one person, is an example to all of us to line up in our minds to get ready for the dealings, similar dealings of God in our lives. And as we approach this new year, this year of radical transformation, we must be aware of the fact that God has a plan, he has a purpose uh, for my life and your life. And Purpose creates passion. It gives your passion precision. Last Sunday, we're talking about uh, the fact that passion can be misguided. It can be misdirected. God divinely positioned Moses in the palace of Pharaoh, having predestined him to be the savior of his people, Israel. Now at this point, Israel was in captivity in Egypt, thrown into complete slavery and working to build Pharaoh's empire completely out of the will of God for a people called Israel. And then Israel cried to God, like we read last week, and then God raised a man 
None of us is an accident of procreation. We only have mistake babies on this side of the, of the, of the world, as in, in this side of eternity. On the other side of eternity, everything is orchestrated according to divine ordination. No baby can come to the world except God releases the baby. So Moses came as an answer to prayer. God guided him. His mother kept him for three months until he became a threat to her life. The idea of keeping him became a threat to her life. And she went to the river and dropped Moses. Said, Lord, over to you. Over to you. Have your way. And then God orchestrated everything to the end that Pharaoh's daughter went there, saw the baby, had favor on the baby, picked the baby. So when Moses could not pray, when Moses could not think and work out things with his brain, God was orchestrating things to put him at the right place at the right time. Are you still with me today? That's why God speaking to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 uh, verse 3, when you read down, he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nation. There's a part of God that is sovereign. It has nothing to do with your prayer or the prayer of your parents or anything like that. Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 19, the earnest of God's creature waits for the manifestations of the sons of God. My purpose is not to be considered in isolation. It's intricately connected to other people's purposes and God's original intention. God's own plan. So I'm not an accident of procreation. I have a purpose. And my purpose should never be considered in isolation. Moses' purpose cannot be considered in isolation because our people prayed. God sovereignly chose to answer their prayer by sending Moses as a baby. Then uh, the honors was on him to preserve him and to guide him and to keep him. But we get to this point where we become of age. Now we can engage our brains. Now we can think. And then we all of a sudden feel that we are all by ourselves and our lives have nothing to do with anyone having plans. So we think of what to do by ourselves. And then we'll move on and start to do stuff. So Moses went out of Pharaoh's palace, took a walk amongst his people, saw this Egyptian molesting this Hebrew guy, beating him, you know, black and blue. Moses pulled the Egyptian guy aside, broke his neck, and threw him aside. And instead of, he thought they would celebrate him, that our Savior has come. Something on his inside aboard the idea of the Hebrews being molested. Something on his inside could not take it. It's called purpose. Purpose is the creator of passion. Ladies and gentlemen, if, as I speak right now, you lack passion, perhaps you are not in purpose. Perhaps you are not in purpose. Perhaps you are not in purpose. Why? Because purpose creates passion. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. That was what God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1. Uh, uh, you read from verse 1 down to 5. That was what he was telling him. It means 
that God wired him. He said, before you were formed, you didn't have a form. So I planned who you're going to be, and then I started to give form to your person. And the word form can also be considered as wiring or formation. Programming. So I have a programming. Coding. In IT, they call it coding. Am I saying the truth? Ah, I have a coding. I am not supposed to live life by default, but by design. Life by default can be frustrating, can be dry. It can lead to passionless living. Life by design is, comes with automatic infusion of passion. When it's by design. So, my internal members start to gain, you know, inspiration. Why? Because I'm on the path. Hey, Mark, for my destiny. Say amen, somebody. That, that's what makes a life interesting. There's nothing like a passionless soul. When you see a sluggish person going nowhere, moved by nothing, who lacks passion, that's not how God created us. God never created a passionless human being. We only have people who are struggling with purpose. When a man is purposeless, he will be passionless. Or better still, he may uh, um, have misguided passion. Moses had an idea, but he, he, did, he, had, he had not come to a full realization of his purpose. So the passion was misguided. He wasn't supposed to be according to his own volition. He was not supposed to just grab an Egyptian and just kill. He was supposed to wait for an instruction. Ladies and gentlemen, if you see a young man wasting away from one brothel to another, it's misguided passion. The same passion with which you seek sex is supposed to go for something else. Ladies and gentlemen, if you see a man who wastes away every weekend from club to club, gathering people together, they're drinking together and wasting and getting into stupor, let me tell you something, it's misguided passion. Perhaps there's passion to reach out to humanity and make people happy. Now the problem is alcohol suspends the brain of people. It does not change their life. When the rubber meets the road and alcohol has faded away, people realize my situation is still the same. Then you have wasted your money when you say, serve them round because I want them happy. God wants you to make them happy, but maybe not in a destructive way. Is somebody still with me this morning? Is passion misguided? Some people, when it comes to serve them round, they don't think of how much is in their account. They just want people happy. Am I saying the truth? They just want people happy. All they have in their account may be 50K. They get into a bag, just drop your ATM. Just serve them. Serve them. Don't worry. Don't worry. God is in control. Serve them. <laughs> At that point, they even remember God. Don't worry. God is in charge. Serve them. <laughs> they are willing to spend and be spent just to make people happy. Misguided passion. Misguided passion. And if there's anyone here caught in the midst of misguided passion as I speak, today, you are rescued from destruction. In the precious name of Jesus. 
Say better amen, somebody. Amen. When Moses' passion had no purpose, he ended up a murderer and a fugitive. God designed passion and purpose to complement each other. Having no passion for your purpose would mean living a dull, monotonous life. That's what it means. God never created a passionless person. We only have people who are struggling with purpose. What do I feel like doing? What can I do well? See, like I said in the previous services, today is Sunday in Lagos, Nigeria. If tomorrow morning you need encouragement to wake up, to go to work, you need to slot in a message from a motivational speaker before energy can come into your veins. You need, you need your spouse to say, don't worry, God is in control before you go to work. You need to go and pray again. Because you lack passion for that thing. Life cannot be interesting that way. For 2014 to be a year of radical transformation, I must be able to wake up in the morning, jump out with passion flowing through me. To burn something down. Do something. Put a mark on the face of the earth. Get into God's original intention for my life. Let purpose meet with passion. Let it catch fire. Let something burn. Life is not supposed to be tedious. It's an adventure. The message translation of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 says, God got you started in this spiritual adventure. Shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus Christ. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. Life is a spiritual adventure. It's an adventure. That great lady, blind lady, Ellen Keeler, great motivational speaker, great achiever, once said, he said, life is either a daring adventure or it is nothing. It's either a daring adventure or it is nothing. But you know the truth? Life cannot be a daring adventure for a passionless person because you need passion today. You need passion today. You need passion today. You read in Acts chapter 9, the story of, of Saul, who later became Paul, the apostle. This guy can be likened to a 33,000 liter truck loaded with PMS, petrol. At any instant, it can explode. Paul or Saul was exploding consistently. The passion was too much. When they were to kill Stephen, the first martyr of the church, Saul stayed, said, he's a small boy, kill him. I'll just supervise. You have killed bigger people. Yeah, bring your handbag, all the women, bring your handbag. You, bring your babariga, let me carry it for you. Uh, and he told that one, carry, no, that stone is too small, big one, carry big one. You hear his head. You hear his leg. Throw. Just kill him. He had passion. He got a warrant of arrest. Anyone that is, that is mentioning the name of Jesus or anything, arrest them. Throw, throw them into jail. Kill them. The passion was driving him. And while that passion was driving him seriously, and God saw this is misdirected, misguided passion, 
The same way that Moses got to a point where this misguided passion got him into trouble. He became a, a, a wanted person in Egypt and escaped to Midian. And in Midian, life was good. Life was good. He met Jethro and his family, the, the priest of Midian. Influential man. Married Jethro's daughter. Became one of the senior employees of Jethro. So worked for Jethro. Good pay and everything. Life was good. Moses could have continued working for Jethro for the rest of his life. Life was good. Life was good. Moses, at this time, hold. That was 40 years after Egypt. Doing his work, making a good life. God showed up to him while he was walking, carrying his father-in-law's flock all over the place and just walking as a shepherd boy. That may be someone under the influence of my voice today. Life is good. You are not under any pressure. You don't owe anybody. But that still doesn't mean that you are fulfilling purpose. Because purpose is different from uh, uh, having fun in life. Sometimes it, it puts you under much more pressure than that. Life was good for Moses. Everything was okay. Married to daughter of an influential man. They're having children. They're okay. Everything was good. But all of a sudden, God said, it's not about good life. It's about a purposeful life. Is it that purpose-driven or nothing? That's what God always says. Is it that your life is purpose-driven or is wasting? Praise God. That's what God is always saying. Is it that your life is purpose-driven or is wasting? So, what happened? Moses saw a burning bush. Everyone needs a burning bush experience at one point or the other in life. Moses saw the burning bush. The bush was burning, but was not consumed. God spoke out to him in the passage that we read. And God redefined his purpose to him at that point. Saul's burning bush experience, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, Saul was riding uh, uh, on, on uh, one animal, going with some people with him, going to Damascus. And God, from nowhere, Knocked him down. Struck him so badly. By the time God said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The next thing that the guy said was, Who are you, Lord? Nobody told him it was Lord. By the strength of the, <laughs> of the encounter, how well stricken he was to the ground. And the fact that by the time he opened his eyes, the sight was gone. It was a traumatic experience. And very dramatic. You know, he gave his life to God without God asking him. He recognized his lordship by his hand. <laughs> it was not his voice that troubled him. It was his hand. God knocked him. Knocked him. Fell so hard. Nobody needed to tell him it was God reaching out to you. He knew. There are situations you find yourself in life, you know. This is God telling me something. 
this is God. It could have been more terrible than this. I'm sure Saul would have been telling himself, it's just my sight. At least thank God I can still walk. It could have been more terrible than this. You know, just, just arrange yourself. Arrange yourself. Arrange yourself. Yeah. Because God is trying to tell you something. God is trying to tell you something. This year, my prayer is that your burning bush experience will not be traumatic. I said your burning bush experience will not be traumatic. In the precious name of Jesus. So the burning bush is a place of awakening, of ignition. You can become aware of and catch fire for your purpose. It's a place of reawakening and reignition for those who may have strayed away from purpose. Because sometimes some of us have had a burning bush experience, but yet we decide to stray away. Then God organizes another one just to reawaken and reignite your heart. About your purpose. So the burning bush experience signifies a turning point. It brings a change of heart. A new perspective. A new understanding. A new reverence for God and for your purpose. That's what the burning bush experience does. New reverence for God and for his purpose for you. A new perspective to life. It's also important to know that burning bush experiences differ. They differ. They can be as dramatic as Saul's or Moses' that I just described. Sometimes they can be as simple as that of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 9, 19, when you read from verse 1 to 5, or that of Matthew, the task collector. That of Zacchaeus was very interesting. It's a plain-hearted, simple guy. Plain-hearted, simple guy. This guy, just like the songwriter said, that Lord, help me to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. He just wanted to see Jesus. He knew that seeing him may change something in his life. He was short and the crowd was heavy. And like I read in one of Mas Lucado's books, Max said, God must have orchestrated the planting of that tree just for the purpose of Zacchaeus' destiny. Zacchaeus looked, at, looked around and saw a tree. And he told himself, if I go on this tree, at least I'll be higher than all these people. God is always placing something around your life that if you are aware of them, you won't have a burning bush experience that is traumatic. It takes a recalcitrant person for God to show up in a traumatic experience. That God has spoken. He has entered. He has nudged. Somebody. is not responding. To the nudge. Then God can strike. God will not strike you this year. Or say a better amen. amen. Zacchaeus went on the tree. Jesus. Was passing by. Saw this guy on the tree. I'm sure Jesus too must have thought. This is a serious guy. It's not that bad. It's just to see me. This guy has to look for a tree and climb. He stopped and looked up. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. He said, today, I will eat with you in your house. A burning bush experience. That changed everything. You cannot have Jesus sit at lunch with you and he won't discover purpose. It's impossible. Is somebody still with me? <laughs> you, you can't have Christ sit in front of you and have dinner or lunch with you and you won't discover purpose. 
from that time, something changed. Something, you know, something turned around. Something changed in the life of Zacchaeus. So God has tailor-made experiences for all of us. He has tailor-made experiences for all of us. Tailor-made experiences for all of us. For some people, it's a change of location. The change of location. The fact that God perhaps maybe brought you back into this country, perhaps you were outside of this country before, or you used to live outside of the city of Lagos, or now you're, you know, a change of location that just shows that there must be more than this. There must be more than, you know, what I'm doing now. There must be more than my life, you know, more than this in my life. Sometimes, like I said before, there's a trauma or a disappointment. A trauma or a disappointment. That can be a burning bush experience. I was reading the, the, the story of a lady, a lady pastor who pastors in the UK, a Nigerian pastor in the UK, lady who lost her husband in, um, I think, ADC crash um, over a decade ago. Now God is using her seriously. She's still a widow. Now, I think in her 50s, I read, I read her story and it really just touched my heart. How sometimes something that seemed really very traumatic, God may want to just use it as a burning bush experience for, for, for some people. Maybe a new opportunity. New opportunity. You don't know why this opportunity is coming your way. You don't know why this door is opening. You don't know why this person is favoring you. You don't know why this is happening. But it may just be a burning bush experience. God wanted you to uh, see something from a different perspective. Uh, get a nudge. God wanted you to just see something differently. So that life can take a new dimension. Where people have been struggling to open a door. A door just opened for you of his own accord. It's an opportunity for you to reconsider. Stop somebody for me. Say it's time to reconsider. Say it again. Say it's time to reconsider. Sometimes an exposure to new information. Exposure to new information. Something that never really occurred to you before. You've passed there. You've seen it many times. But now, you know, you've seen it differently. Um, you, 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 you just read something and it just changed something. That's why sometimes I encourage people read biographies. Read biographies. When you read biographies, what you're doing is that you are trying to study the circumstances, circumstances surrounding the evolution of greatness in the life of a great man. And that has a way of touching your own heart and making you see something differently. Just making you see something differently. Sometimes it's just new information. That's all. And something changed. Something changes and, you know, you, 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 just, you just become a totally different person. Your worldview is changed. Moses, after he saw the burning bush, he still had his doubts and his arguments with God. He argued with God to the point where, when you read down that chapter 3, God got angry with him and said, your excuse is that you cannot talk. I own the tongue. I created everything. Moses said, no, I can't talk. Okay, don't worry. I will touch the heart of Aaron. He will meet you before you get into Egypt. And Aaron will be your spokesperson. Now you don't have a choice. Go. I've showed you that if you drop this rod, it will turn to a snake. Put your hand in your bosom. It became leprous and white. Put it back. It was normal. You have power. Go. 
Because he still had a struggle. If I were Moses, I would have my struggle. For you to be a wanted man in the most powerful nation in the earth, and then God is saying, go and meet the... It's like a Nigerian now that was deported from the U.S., maybe for carrying drugs, or for killing an American. You now got here. You saw burning bush. Go to White House and meet Obama. You know, you tell... No, God, I, I've seen the bush, but this may not be you. <laughs> you know, it's just not working for me. Moses was just telling God, it's not working for me. And God said, look, let me try. Just, Moses started from the people themselves. These people are used to slavery. If I show up there, you see, I saw the Bible miniseries movie that they just created last year, and I was watching that part of it recently. The Hebrew people were so used to slavery, it was their conclusion that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had left them. He has left them, and he has signed out. That was their conclusion. You know what? They prayed. Then Moses was born. 40 years in the house of Pharaoh. 40 years. And then afterwards, misguided passion. Then 40 years in exile. It's just like people asking in Nigeria. So you know some Christians talk to some of us pastors. The pastor, if it's prayer, we prayed. If this country will change, let it change. If somebody has challenged me before, every Sunday in this church will pray for Nigeria. I say, it's too much. Self. We have prayed too much. Whatever God will do, let him do. Those people are not serious. They won't change anything. That's what some people are. See, if you, <laughs> if you call a prayer meeting today now, say, this Friday we'll have all night, we're praying for Nigeria. People won't come. Am I saying the truth? They won't come. You, but call the prayer meeting and call it Breakthrough Anointing Night. The place will be packed. Why? Because our heart sinks when we think of Nigeria and its situation. That was where they were. They had even passed this level. They had prayed and it took some time before Moses was even born. Then Moses was born. 40 years he was largesting in the palace of Pharaoh. They were suffering outside. They had no inclination that the, the Amaziah was already born anyway. And then as God will have it, Moses first strode through the city, seeing them, misguided passion. Then they, that set them back 40 years, Moses in exile. At that time, they had forgotten about prayer. So Moses knew, you are sending me to recalcitrant people, people who don't even believe in you again. It's another thing for Pharaoh to agree. What if they say they are not going? No, it's true. And that was what they did. In the first instance, they told Moses, forget it. We would rather stay here than go and die. You, you don't know what you are doing. Your own life has been privileged, you know. You lived in Pharaoh's palace for 40 years. You were a big boy, you know. Actually, the Pharaoh that was on the throne then was Moses' friend. They were colleagues. They grew up together in Pharaoh's palace. The old Pharaoh had died. You understand what I'm saying? So, they said, look, you, you were largesting in the palace. And then afterwards, they said you killed somebody and you ran away. Then you, you, you married a rich man's daughter and you were, you were working for him. Now, you now came to be telling us, let my people go. With my people, just leave us. Just do your own. That's how you know. Sometimes God put a passion in your heart for a people, and they don't want to see your face. You have a passion to rescue marriages, and the first couple you you attended to talk to, they told you, "Thank you for your advice, but don't come to our house again." <laughs> yeah, that's that's how it is. That's it. Don't come to our house again. We are okay. We don't need a third party. But sorry, but please don't bring this issue up again, or else this will be the end of our friendship. 
And you tell yourself, God, but you gave me passion for marriages, to save marriages. And that's how we start. That's how we start. That's, that's how we start. That's how we start. God said, I've given you passion for children. And you now attended to start a crutch. And you are even begging your own family members to bring their children. And they are not bringing. I said, ah, but you need this. this. <laughs> I would take care of them. Don't worry. Don't worry. They would rather take them somewhere else. And then you are telling yourself, is, am I sure? But this is what I feel like doing. Somebody stay with me this afternoon. I said, are you stay with me this afternoon? Nothing must stop you. God told uh, Moses, you, you don't have a choice in this matter. He busted all his excuses and told Moses, just go on and fulfill purpose. You have my backing. You have my power. Moses said, if your presence will not go with us, carry us not there. God said, I will go with you. And that's what I'm saying on behalf of God to someone here today. Walk in line with purpose. Discover purpose. Stay with God. God said, I will go with you. A passionless life is a wasted life. And passion is created by purpose. Whatever will ignite passion on my inside must be according to design. Not just running through the motions. I'm trying to be like the Joneses. There's money in the bottled water, pure water, whatever. Yeah, you rush there. You have zero passion for quenching people's thirst. You cannot even define the philosophy of the business. All that you're thinking about is the money. After a while, when the money is not coming, the enemy will strike. It will give you a dose of discouragement. You won't even be able to think of another business. That's what happens. But when you choose to wait on God, let him guide you. Take advantage of the burning bush experiences that he will bring into your life, new opportunities, exposure to new information, read biographies. Also, we talk about the word of God, the scripture. Sometimes the scripture comes to give a burning bush experience. Something just occurs to you in the multitude of words. You're listening to a message, maybe not even in church, but the word drops in your heart and it brings a burning bush experience into your heart. Brings a burning bush experience into your heart. As, as I start to round off, I, I love to challenge someone here this afternoon. Your experience doesn't have to be traumatic. You need to tell yourself, I'm not a recalcitrant child of God. Because God sees the heart. Or sharing, I think, a second service or first service, how I had my own plans for my life. I had my own plans. Some people think, you see, especially when maybe God is blessing your work uh, as a pastor, your church is growing, everybody thinks that uh, this is what you have always wanted to do. And see, the truth is I have passion for information, I have passion for souls, I have passion to see churches run well. I, I can teach pastors for 12 hours standing. A pastor gets my attention the moment you tell me that God said, told you to plant a church or that if you have given an assignment to plant a church, I can spend five hours with you nonstop. I have passion for that. I have passion for teaching the word of God. I have passion to see from my undergraduate days 
<laughs> One day I thought I was actually crazy. Let me tell you what I did. I used to go around the, the dark side of the campus where you have the sports complex and all that. Uh, they have lovers' corners there where young ladies and young guys come to smoosh themselves. I'm telling you the truth. I used to go there to pray. And when I see two people trying to smoosh, I'll go there. Jesus loves you. Leave that place. Leave that place. <laughs> I'll be praying in tongues around them as they're doing their nonsense. After a while, I'll speak out. Leave her. Leave her. <laughs> and I used to have some friends. We do crazy things. We did crazy things together. I'm serious. I'm serious. And until God stayed my heart to start a campus ministry, a, a, a fellowship on campus then, many years ago. And, you know, the fellowship grew and all that. Uh, but my first degree was in mining engineering, and my own plan for myself was to just do this engineering stuff well, get a job in the oil company. Uh, mining engineering, my own, I did, you know, coursework, went to Enugu coal mine. I told myself, this is not my place. I'm not coming back. I'm not mining coal. It's oil, oil. Oil. It's oil. No, not coal. Went to jaws, uh, 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 zinc, uh, all sorts. I did all of that. Anytime I go there, I'll just reject it. This is not. Uh-huh. You know, went to Potakot. I was in Potakot and worry. You know, <laughs> worked, you know. Uh-huh. Got to share. The first time I went to share for my internship, I said, yes, this is it. This is it. This is it. I remember sitting in front of my pastor um, months later. And I was telling my pastor, oh, I, I have ideas. You know what? Let ministry be going on. I will, I will you know, do two weeks offshore. Right? When I come, we'll do ministry. When I, even when I'm offshore, we have offshore fellowship on the rig. And we'll be the pastor there. Those were my own plans. I'll be the pastor there of the offshore fellowship on the rig. And so if I'm in a swamp location, there are locations, all those in your community. I'll go in there and reach out to them. I don't have a problem, and God will be happy with me. Those were my plans. I knew I had a calling to ministry. But I also have had a plan. And I never thought that at the point of leaving university, I would have a struggle. I'd always thought, I'll just leave university and I'll just go and pastor. I used to boast to them in fellowship then. Don't worry. I used to tell my classmates self that some of us, if I, was, if I was in the job place, some of you, I'll get my own before you get your own. But I'll leave it for you because I was called into ministry. But when it now came to the time to do the ministry, I was telling all kinds of stories. All kinds. And I had my own burning bush experience. But thank God it wasn't traumatic. Thank God I had a pastor who could guide me and walk me through it. And, and you know, give me direction. Jacob was not that lucky. In Genesis 32, when you read verse 23, 24 to 25, Genesis 32, the Bible says, and Jacob left, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with the man. For Jacob, he wasn't that lucky because he, he, he was using his brain too much. I said it before. Our brains have specific assignments from God. There are certain areas that brain is not useful. 
a spirit making inquiries from God. You cannot rationalize your destiny. It's too big for your brain. Jacob wrestled with God. The day was breaking. The angel of God wanted to escape. So he said, this guy, I'll do something to him. I will maim him. You can imagine for God to maim a person, he was completely recalcitrant. He would not just let go. God maimed him. Removed one bone there. Removed something out of joint. By the time the guy wanted to limp, and I, the thing was not there again, and he had to be limping. He grabbed the man. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Because the way you have left me now, I may not fulfill my destiny like this. <laughs> you understand? So a, a, a burning bush experience does not have to be a bad experience. Jacob had a bad experience. But from that point, God told him, said, your name will no longer be Jacob. Your name will not be Israel, a prince with God. For you have wrestled with God and you have prevailed. So we have mercy on you. God changed his name. From that one man, a whole nation came up. Israel, that still exists till today. Your life is too big for your mind. Jacob was only thinking of how to escape from Esau for the rest of his life. God said, your destiny is not about Esau. It's about my original intention. I don't know who you have offended. They are not as big as God. Stop running. Face destiny. Ask God, what is your purpose for my life? It has nothing to do with the person I have offended. When the will of a man pleases the Lord, he makes his enemies at peace with him. Don't turn your life's purpose to pleasing man. Even if you hold them or you have offended them. Face destiny so that God can show up for you. Say amen, somebody. I don't know who I'm speaking to right now. I know you are heavily indebted. But paying that debt is not the purpose of your life. Start to think about what God has in mind for you outside of paying debt. I'm speaking to someone right now. The payment of that debt has turned to become your life's purpose. God said that it's time to look in a different direction. You are owing, I know. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. And I can wipe off that debt in no time. Don't make it your ultimate preoccupation. I have a plan for your life. Jacob stole his brother's birthright. Even though he bought it. But he still carried it. The man was after his life. He had to do something. But God had a a greater plan than that. Now speaking to someone here this morning. Whatever you may be running away from at this point. It's not as big. It's not as strong as your destiny. Why not focus on God's purpose? And let him know, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Let your name be glorified. And then I put my battles in your hand. And then you fight my battles. Then I hold my peace. And victory comes from the Lord. And then life becomes more interesting. Life becomes more interesting. Because I'm in line with purpose.